Trust. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And I'm all charged up for today's there episode. It there okay. it is. There it is. Thank you for that. There for the is. record, he had to restart recording because he didn't get his pun in right away. So there you go. <laughs> that was worth it. Yeah, that Hope was worth you're it. happy. Yeah, everybody's charged up. Uh, so before we get started on part two of the uh, electric vehicle history... I wanted to tease a couple things, such as our phone number. You guys aren't calling us to leave us voicemails. They are upset about that. We do have a couple voicemails in the log. That okay? Do you want to do one today? No, but I want to tell people our phone number is six one two five eight four zero two three five. Right, right. And if you're listening to this on uh, Wednesday, that means you're one of our Patreons and you got to listen to the episode early. Exactly. Um, And you're wearing your t-shirt. And you're wearing your t-shirt. And you might even have your signed print up on your wall that Chris can give you. That's exactly it. So if you want to head over to patreon.com slash overcrest, you can get all the episodes right when they're done. You can get them early. So uh, head on over and check that out. Uh, also check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, we're quite active on, um, also other things <laughs> like what? I don't know. I was going to say something. I was like, no, that's actually it. Actually. Okay. Good, 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 good. Um, don't do it. All right. Don't do it, Jake. Here we're going. This what? is it. This is oh, this is, gonna, this is detuned Jake. About this some, is detuned Jake. I, I have told Jake not to do any more accents, and he's I'm depressed. Just, I'm so upset that no one loves the whimsy and, and the energy that I interject in these stories, I think, Chris. I think you need to spend some time practicing. Oh, poppycock. No, you gotta... If, if you come in here... And you sound like uh, <laughs> some crazy British actor that just, I if I close my eyes and I think that you're really from like Chesterfordshire or some other right, like place, right? I will I will let it slide. But you gotta you gotta you gotta sell me on it. New cat from Chesterfordshire. Yes. All right. Let's let's have it. What do we got? This is part two. <sighs> this is part of two. The so history of the last electric car. week, we told the story of the inventor Thomas Parker and his role in the development of the electric car. That was a cool kind of story from the early days. And as mentioned, the beginning of the 20th century was a crazy time for electric cars. They far outsold their steam and gas-powered competition, and it's crazy basically in its sense that that was the competition. You had steam, gas cars, and electric. They were all like on an equal Just plane. The best, the best it time was for truly a golden ever. age. Yeah. yeah. So, in fact, I wanted to interject a little story here. On September seventh, eighteen ninety-six, an electric car built by the Riker Electric Motor Company won the first recorded auto race ever held in the U.S. and this was at the Nagaranset Trotting Park, which was a mile-long dirt oval in uh, the state fairgrounds at Rhode Island. I'm guessing Island. that was for mainly for horses. It, the track was normally used for horse racing. You're yeah. right. So, however, automobile companies at the time rented out the track and sponsored the race to show off their newfangled electric, steam, and, of course, gas-powered vehicles. That would get their asses kicked by the horse. quote, an <laughs> awestruck audience. So... Yes. I, I'm wondering if they brought out a horse <laughs> no, and were like, hey. I, I love this. I'm going to get to it, Chris. Patience. So um, the carmaker's gimmick worked, actually. Over 60,000 fairgoers attended the event, and it made headlines in newspapers and magazines and everything else around the country and, and beyond. Seven cars entered the race. Along with the Riker electric vehicle, there were also five internal combustion cars and one other battery-powered machine built by the electric carriage and wagon company. You know, it's kind of neat. Like, this, it's... Back in the day, you had these events that would bring everybody together. Right. Just, I just don't see what... Do you know why? Because there was nothing better to do in that time. That's probably true. But even, like, for example, the, 
when they would do the big high-speed races in Germany at the Avis track where they would go like 200 miles an hour or whatever it was, yeah. the auto union stuff, mil- like the whole infield of a track that's like 30 miles long yeah, or whatever everyone came would out. be full of people and everybody was because together. Because they didn't and- have a TV or anything that they could do otherwise. So this was like the highlight of the year. For whatever the reason is, it's awesome that everybody came together to come see all this stuff. I agree. I think that's awesome. So the race began. Slowly. <laughs> How slowly was it? Quote, get a horse, the spectators <laughs> shouted as the automobiles wheezed at the starting line. I bet they did. But the Riker soon pulled ahead and won the race easily, finishing its five laps in 15 minutes. The electric other car came in second, and a gas-powered Duria took third. Yeah, I guess that guy didn't. Duria. This Duria. sounds too, way too I, much like dar- diarrhea. diarrhea. I yeah. know. It, yeah. So anyways, uh, it runs, though, Chris. It does, or it did. Did you get it? It runs. <laughs> <laughs> I love the delayed That's reaction great. there. Okay, good. So, however, as we know, the electric car superiority wasn't going to last. By the 1920s, improved road infrastructure required vehicles with greater range. It also didn't help that the worldwide discovery of large petroleum reserves led the wide availability of now affordable gasoline, which made gas-powered cars much cheaper to operate over long distances. Electric cars were, after all, limited to urban use due to their slow speed, 20 miles per hour by this time, and uh, low range. They could go 30 to 40 miles. Well, that's not... How far could you go in these towns? They couldn't have been that big. Right. But as I said, it was when the infrastructure got bigger and you're like, well, now we can go three towns away. Right. Well, you can't do that in your electric car anymore. Sure. Every, I mean, obviously everything was done by train back then, right? So everything was delivered right. by train. Anybody going to town to town was doing it by train. Yeah. And the rail system was where it was really at. So, so I wonder if like, so imagine right now it's there's always this conspiracy that big oil is after electric cars, right? Right. And I wonder if it was ever like big rail was ever after all of these cars. Well, remember last week I talked about the rail workers that like destroyed right. the electric locomotive. Yeah, it must so, have yeah, been. So yeah, it was definitely a thing. Yeah, I imagine imagine what that was, it was like some dudes with a bunch of sticks and pitchforks out yeah. there like damn electric train. <laughs> all right. So there was no comparison comparison, excuse me, an internal combustion engine car was now able to travel farther and faster than any other electric car could ever hope to at the time. Years passed without a major revival in the use of electric cars. There were minor experiments with electric cars in fuel-starred Europe countries during the Euro- during World War II, actually. Uh, but overall, when the internal combustion engine developed, progressed at a brisk pace, electric vehicle technology stagnated. As Elon Musk would say, the, that the combustion engine is the worst experiment in human history. He didn't say that. He absolutely did. You said the combustion engine is the and using gas is the worst experiment in human history. But here's the thing: is it's it's easy, right? Com- I mean, combustion engines are easy. You can get the fuel pretty easily. That's a very simple system. Yeah, you know, you, anybody can the operate energy it. density of gasoline is much much higher. Exactly. Right. So I said there were minor experiments with electric cars in fuel-starved European countries during World War II. The interested Chris would ask, "Huh?" What were those? What were those? What were these yeah. cars? So, because Chris will ask, uh, British milk floats. <laughs> I like that you you look. You're like, what is Chris going to ask me here? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how I wrote this that's this week. I like um, that. So, British milk floats, which were basically what? milk delivery trucks. Milk float. 
milk floats. Is that like I'm a trans- pretty sure they still call them this today? Is this like a translation? Is this like a German translation English that so- makes no, it sound is, stupid? No, this is this is England. Oh, it's this is England. They call it a milk this float. This is proper Queen's English, Chris. It's, so it's, it's a, a milk float. It's a milk float. All right, that's weird. <laughs> so milk delivery trucks. They were designed with electric propulsion to do due to the uh, low speed requirements and constant stop and go driving, right? So fuel shortage, they're thinking what uses a lot of fuel that maybe we could put electric use for. They started using these milk floats with electric electric drivetrains. Because every single person got milk delivered. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, that was probably a big usage of it. Yeah. That's why you don't look anything like your dad, Chris, the milkman. <laughs> yeah. I actually look exactly like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, because they were so well suited for electric power, they continued to be developed as such after the war. In August of 1967, the UK Electric Vehicle Association put out a press release stating that Britain had more battery electric vehicles on its roads than the rest of the world combined. Great. So they've just basically been behind ever and they're just another reason why they suck more <laughs> than we do. So they still use these electric uh, milk floats today is what I found well, in my reading. But they're not the original milk floats. I would imagine not. <laughs> no. But they never went back to gas is what I read. If I was English, I would be embarrassed of the milk floats. I feel like a milk float is like a milkshake or like a root beer float, yeah, right? That should be a dessert. Like yeah, it seems like a dessert, and uh, who's getting milk delivered anyway? This is yeah, just good point. I, maybe they're not actually used today because no one gets milk delivered today. <laughs> no, I don't think they do. No. <laughs> so after years outside the limelight, several factors in the late 60s brought them back into public interest, them being electric vehicles. You will love this, Chris, this I'm next re- part. Okay. Three bills were passed by U.S. Congress describing collectively as the Electric Vehicle Development Act of 1966. Okay, great. So what is this? There was also a Fourth Amendment. Wait, wait, wait. What is this? What is this? Hold on. There was also a Fourth Amendment that also gets categorized in with these uh, for the Clean Air Act of 1963. This legislation provided funding for electric car research in response to the rapidly decreasing air quality caused by automobile emissions. I'm guessing this is probably something that was... Really pushed by California because during the during California with their their air in Los Angeles stuff was really really bad. Yeah, it was so, really bad. In addition, electrically powered cars were also seen as a way for the U.S. to reduce its dependence on expensive, undependable oil imports. Yeah, that happened. This was further emphasized with the energy crisis of the 1970s. So, citing the independence, electric cars head from the fluctuations of fuel prices. While in the throes of OPEC oil embargo, a multitude of electric vehicles popped up. So what what I really didn't emphasize here is as much as I I'm struggling, wanted to. I'm struggling not to be political right now. I just want to I know that's know. why I love that I brought this up. Yeah, it's tough for me. No, but basically Congress said, okay, we're gonna give you a bunch of money to develop electric cars. So here's my question. Yep. Why didn't someone just come out with a cleaner car, try to sell it, and have everybody in California that was dying of lung cancer and not able to breathe go, wow there's a really new fangled idea. Why don't we buy those instead? That's basically what happened with carb emission restrictions and everything was no. with your emission system on no. a vehicle. That was forced. That's exactly what you said. Why don't they just do that? No, I meant like... Oh, uh, free market. Free Why market. didn't free market just do this? It yeah. probably would have eventually. Probably was more. A bunch more people were dead. <laughs> yeah, you win some, you lose some, Chris. Yeah, I guess. Um, let's see. General Motors came to the table with the ElectroVet. The what? The Electrovet. I like that term. It's 1967, which was basically just a Chevy Chevette with an electric motor. 
A Chevy Chevette? You don't know what a Chevette is? I know what a Chevette is, but I imagine it was going to be a Corvette. No, not a Corvette. It's you know, the Electrovette. You, you, you want to know Chevy something Chevette. embarrassing? Yeah. I just realized like the Chevette mm-hmm. and the Corvette both have vet at the end. Right. So you could be like, I got a vet. Yeah. Back home, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big vet guy. A big vet guy. I'm all down. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Electrovet, Chris. Want to know anything about it? Yeah, tell me about the Electrovet. I want to know how awful this thing is. So it had a range of 50 miles at 30 miles per hour. And let's oh. say you really wanted to crank it. Top speed of 53 miles an hour on a still day. On a, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next up was uh, in 1967, AMC partnered with Gulton Industries to develop a new battery based on lithium. Isn't it funny how novel that must have been at the time? Lithium batteries. Yeah, people must have been like, oh, what is this terrible chemical? Uh." (laughs) Um, So this battery supplier powered an all-electric 1969 Rambler American station wagon. Uh, Other plug-in experimental AMC vehicles developed with Gulton included the Amatron. How how long did it take to charge these up? Like, what kind of batteries these things had? Lithium batteries. Hold on. You're missing the names, Chris. You're missing what I'm focusing on. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about the technical aspects of this. I know. But check this out. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a babe. Was she wearing overalls? Yeah. (laughs) This is the AMC Amatron. That thing's awesome. It's pretty sweet. (laughs) That thing actually kicks major ass. We might have to make this the cover of our episode. This thing is awesome. So the AMC Amatron. I, I want one. That thing looks ki- yeah. that thing looks killer. I like it. It actually looks like it's from the future. It yeah, it was. It, it was from the future that that. Do time you want to know how from the future it was, Chris? Let's Do you want to ask questions about this? Vehicle? I want to know I'm about prepped. So I. <laughs> so my my question is is that previously the, this is obviously a concept car and whatever, but yeah. So they had these other cars that were trying to shove electric technology into. Mm-hmm. But they're trying to do it on an already heavy, exactly. antiquated chassis. So exactly. this thing looks like they're like, okay, Ground this up. obviously isn't going to work because these cars are too heavy. Mm-hmm. They're too big. We got to film with batteries. It's not going to work. So then they make this. What makes this thing unique? So the Amatron was built from the ground up. That sounds up. like a watch. No, that's Armatron. You're right. It is very <laughs> close. Amatron, much cooler than Armatron. Uh, it's built from the ground up, designed to be an electric vehicle. It's very small, as you can tell. Uh, what year actually, is this? I'm sorry. This is... 67? No, Amatron is 67. Yep. Okay. What other cars were they making at that time? Like, was that like a that was Pacer? That like was AMX, Pacer, Gremlin, okay. probably. I bet. I think Gremlin was 67. This is, 67 was actually, was that the Levi's edition Gremlin came out? Holy shit, I didn't know that existed. You didn't know? Was Is it like, does it have like blue jeans? It's literally blue denim interior on an AMC Gremlin. Oh my God. Their collector item. <laughs> oh my God. They're so great. Here's the thing. That thing is better looking than anything AMC was making at the time. I know. I agree with you. So it was actually like super advanced for its time, the features they put in it. It had regenerative braking, which was like unheard of, unthought of at the time. You know, so technical sidebar, when you apply the brakes, rather than just wasting all that energy as heat, you would actually use it to charge up your batteries again. Um, It had advanced battery design using that uh, uh, aforementioned lithium. And that actually gave it a range of 150 miles on a single charge. So this is a concept car. Yeah. What, what what happened? Why didn't this thing ever... Well, you see, development ended because uh, it was really, really, really expensive to produce those batteries. I bet. What, <laughs> uh, what, what was the cost? I don't have the dollar figure. It, it officially said, however, development ended on this project because of technology issues and the high cost of battery production. I bet they were really, really expensive. Yes. So... Meanwhile, it's interesting to note that another electric vehicle caught the minds and hearts 
of Americans and the world. The Dale car. <laughs> the <laughs> Dale car. <laughs> anyway. No. Uh, late 60s, early 70s. Electric vehicle. Oh, God, you're quizzing me. I have no idea. I... 1931. No, I'm sorry. June. June. Jesus, what happened? Is, is Ju- that the DeLorean I, I just time a, machine? No, I just had a stroke. <laughs> July 31st of 1971. The Lunar Rover was the oh, first yeah. car to drive out of this world. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it did. It was developed by Boeing and GM subsidiary Delco Electronics. I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, it featured a DC drive motor in each of its wheel, all-wheel drive, Chris, yep. and a pair of 36-volt non-rechargeable batteries. I like that they specified they're non-rechargeable. <laughs> You're only going to use it once, guys. <laughs> Hope you don't plan on coming back. Don't drive too far now. Yeah. Um, what was the range? I don't like 500 yards or something. Yeah, it wasn't far enough to plant a flag. It wasn't much. Um, and it, I just that's amazing that we brought a car up to the moon. Well, you got to keep in mind that if you if it was going to be rechargeable, if there's a charging system, what was that? Adding what? Yeah, I know. Like weight, weight. Yeah, weight. Exactly. So they needed. They didn't need. They're not bringing it back anyway. No, right. They're not like going to the McDonald's on the lunar surface and they need to come back with some like <laughs> cheeseburgers or something. They drive it a little bit to pick up some samples and then that's it. They just, I feel like that's a joke on like U.S. society. If we make it to the moon finally in '71, oh fuck, McDonald's is already there. <laughs> yeah, well, it could, could very well be. But so it's it's just interesting that they just left the thing there. They didn't I need know. to charge it. It was all weight, right? So yep. they Why probably bring it back? smallest amount of battery that they could possibly even have. Yeah, 36 volt isn't much. Um, So besides, of course, our lunar rover and a few one-offs and limited production vehicles, EVs never really took off during this period. So we're going to fast forward. Why? Why? Is it just the cost? I mean, there was just no way to have a battery. Technology wasn't there, and gas got cheap again. It did. That was probably what it was. Yep. Uh, So we're going to fast forward in our DeLorean to 1990. (laughs) Okay. DeLoreans didn't exist yet. I know, but you went back in time, picked from them up. a nineteen. Wait, when did when was the DeLorean made? Eighties. Yeah, that 84. is eighty four. So in, in ninety, we would have actually had no. The movie came out in eighty four. It was already two years old by then, and they were going into bankruptcy when they were filming that movie, or shortly after. If right. it had come out a year earlier, it would have saved the company. Probably would have. Yeah, absolutely. So, anyways, eighty two. So we're That's getting our get time machine. We're going back to the seventies, picking us up, and then moving us forward to nineteen ninety. Okay, I feel like I'm watching one of my kids' TV shows now. <laughs> Good. It's probably entertaining. Uh, the California Air Resource Board, otherwise yeah. known as CARB, was the government of California's clean air agency. They began a push for more fuel-efficient, lower-emission vehicles, with the ultimate goal being a move to zero-emission vehicles, such as electric vehicles. By when? Did they have, like, a goal when they were founded? Not that I see here. Okay. In response, many automakers developed electric concept cars. Okay. At the L.A. Auto Show, General Motors President Roger Smith surprised the media with the unveiling of a new concept car, the GM Impact. The Impact was a futuristic electric vehicle. That didn't make an impact because I have no idea what it is. (laughs) Even more surprising was the announcement that GM would actually build electric cars for sale to the public and put them into production. Ironically... Due in part to the fact that the impact had a successful reputation or reception at this auto show, the California Air Research Board subsequently doubled down and passed another ruling that made the production and sale of zero emission vehicles, quote, a requirement of the seven major manufacturers selling cars in the U.S. to continue to market their vehicles in California. 
So you had to make one. You have to make an electric vehicle if you want to sell your car in California. A concept or like an actual? You have to actually make one. Okay. But so, are we talking about a production car? Production car. But nobody did that. Yes, they did. You just didn't. Need, you didn't, don't know about them. Okay. What do we got? GM is what we're going to focus on here. Okay. They're the ones that brought this thing to the concept. The concept to the LA Auto Show. Here, here quick, quick question. Yes. Just I'm I'm kind of skipping to the end, and maybe we're going to get there anyway. But is this? None of this actually worked, did it? I mean, we we. Where did this technology go? Like this just like happened in the early '90s, and then no one ever cared, and then didn't actually do anything until Musk came along and like finally grabbed the reins and made something happen from a bankrupt company. A little bit. Okay, so uh, just what what is the point of doing this? Obviously, they're trying to have good intentions, but they're they're like saying you must spend billions of dollars to research the stuff that nobody's going to ever buy and then you'll never see a return on investment on it cuz some other guy is going to come in take a bunch of money and then make cars and then build them in china <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm is sorry that, i fell asleep the, what are we going to do is that the yeah no my favorite part of this whole story though is that uh, CARB, the California Resource Board, said, hey, guys, let's start making concept cars here because we want to get California to zero emissions. So GM's like, all right, here's a cool concept car. And CARB goes, whoa, that's so cool. And the audience was so pumped about it. We're now actually going to make it a requirement that you have to build these. Wow. I bet the manufacturer was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Why did we do How that? How are we going to sell these? It's like almost like homogulation for race cars. Exactly. So GM responded with the EV1. Based heavily on the concept car, the GM EV1 was among the first production vehicles to utilize an aluminum construction of the frame, and it also had uh, body panels made of plastic rather than metal, making the car lightweight and dent-resistant. Okay. A la Saturn. Saturn. Yeah, great. Mm -hmm. That's where that technology came from. Uh, the EV1 possessed the lowest drag Worked coefficient. Out <laughs> Worked out great. Yeah, yeah, for Saturn. Rest in peace, Saturn. My uh, my parents, my mom had a Saturn SL1, like the very first model in 94 or whatever. Yep. And I remember they were so new and all the ad campaigns were about the doors that wouldn't dent. Yep. So she's parked in the parking garage at work. She comes out. It was at least once or twice a week there'd be a footprint on the door. People would just come up and kick it because just, the door just... would go in and out. <sighs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I still remember that. We'd come home and there's a big boot print on the door. It's like making strides like technology. Thank you, GM. Thank you, California Air Research Board. Research. Well, thank you, report. idiots. Like, uh, people are just dumb. Well, that's All right. So, plastic panels, lightweight frame. It's based off the uh, concept car. It actually possessed the lowest drag coefficient ever heard of up till that time. It is a CD of 0 0.19. I don't even know if that's good. I don't. I don't know what that number means. Is that a question, Chris? Yeah. I, yes. <laughs> question <laughs> so, formed in the phrase as a statement. So a comparison. Uh, our narrow body early 911s, which are very sleek cars, have a coefficient of 0 0.39. 0. Point, so it's so point, half. Stop saying zero point because it's throwing me out. Just say point. So point three nine. Point one nine versus point three nine. Okay. Wow. So it's the half, and it's still what's like, like a Prius. Um, I think that's got to be about. 0.3, 0.2, I don't know. So this thing was super aero. It's slippery. Okay. Yep. 
<laughs> what? I just like that word. There's there's not too much that's slippery that isn't good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. The car's three-phase AC induction electric motor produced 137 brake horsepower. Okay. The first EV1 models released in 1996 used lead-acid batteries, which weighed 1,175 pounds and initially provided a range of 60 miles per charge. But the car actually was pretty high tech. Let's let's give it, you know, the benefit here. Zero to 60 in eight seconds, which isn't terrible, right? Uh, GM... I mean, that's better than most of the cars at the time. Exactly. That's by, what I mean. By, by far. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That is... I mean, that's fast. Quite good, actually. Yeah. Uh, the car's top speed was electronically limited to 80 miles per hour with the slippery design, though. It could have gone very quick with that power. Uh, home charging provided by GM. So it came with the car, like the unit would yes. come with the car. Okay. So this was very interesting. I like this idea. It was required for fast recharging of the car. Otherwise, they did have like a regular outlet you'd put in. But it would just take forever. It'd probably take a week. I don't know. Um, but anyways, their fast charging module uh, was actually induction charging. So like our phones, when you place them on. Yeah. Well, your, that's the way I think it should be pad. in your garage. You should just pull in your garage and it should just be. It wasn't quite that simple. It wasn't like a pad you drive over, but it was a paddle, they called it. The charge paddle you'd insert into a slot between the headlights. Ooh. So what made this really cool, though, was that because you didn't actually plug in any high-voltage stuff, there was no chance of electrocuting yourself. Water didn't matter if it got in there. There was no corrosion. The wireless charging technology meant that no direct connection was made, and charging the car while it was raining did not pose any risks. Quote, Though there were a few isolated incidents involving fires started at the charging port. Oh, boy. Oops. Yeah. Well, they only sold like four and a half of them, so. That's not quite true. <laughs> the EV1 was made available through limited lease-only agreements, initially to residents of cities of L.A., California, Phoenix, Tucson, the and city of California. I, it, I started reading city, but it, I wrote <laughs> L.A., California. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, the cars were not available for purchase, for purchase and could be serviced only at designated Saturn dealerships. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the, what's the, where do these go? What happened to these cars? Because they obviously all got turned back in as leases. Well, customer react, reaction to the EV1 was positive. This thing had like a cult following. I bet it did. It was unique. GM believed that the electric cars occupied an unprofitable niche of the automotive market and ended up crushing all of the cars, regardless of protesting customers. Why? Why would they do that? It's so wasteful. So oh, I man. didn't include. So there are none. There are a couple in museums. That it was. That's... They gave them to museums after stripping out the electronics, so they couldn't use them. Jesus, it's weird, isn't it? That's really weird. That I just—it's almost like it's they were a like, big controversy. That was like a, that's a big f you to California. So like, yep. yeah, we're gonna do this, but we're gonna go ahead and just burn everything that we did. Yep. And that is. That's pers That's you just spiting yourself at that point. What and, a waste. An alliance of the major automakers litigated the car regulation in court, resulting in a slackening of the ZEV stipulation, permitting the companies to produce super low emission vehicles, natural gas vehicles, and hybrid cars in place of pure electrics. The EV1 program was subsequently discontinued in 2002, and all cars on the road were repossessed at that time and crushed. So this is 2002? Yep. Okay, so basically... 96 to 2002. Let's say... So the reason you didn't hear about them is because they were lease-only in, like, limited markets. And you've seen this car before. And it sounds like they didn't even want anybody to really know about it anyway. Yeah. Probably because it was ridiculously expensive to right. manufacture these cars. It. You know what it I mean? It must have just been 
the margin must have been zero. They must have been losing their ass, and they just didn't want to have anything to do with it. Because at the time, gas was cheap. In 1999 or whatever, it was 80 cents a gallon, 90 right. cents a gallon. Why would you even think about doing something like this? Because CARB told you to. California told, told you to. So that's, I mean, that's that's the problem is when you have when you have the, the government saying do this, mm-hmm. when there's no market reason for it, right. it's really tough for the manufacturer to like force it on the consumer. Because at the end, the consumer is going to spend money or they're not. Well, not right. only that, guess what? The consumer's paying for this now in all of GM's de- development costs, right? The cost of your Saturn is probably a couple dollars higher because they had to do the EV1 project. Right, absolutely. The EV1's just... No free lunch. The EV1's discontinuation remains extremely controversial, with electric car enthusiasts, environmental interest groups, and former EV1 leasees accusing GM of self-sabotaging the entire electric car program to avoid potential losses in spare parts sales. So that's the sale forced by government regulations that any car on the road, you have to maintain and keep right. a supply of parts for it. Well, I mean, that, that that's prob- why they crushed them. Nah, I doubt that's it. That's what they state. That's yeah, that, sure. But I think it was the fact that they just didn't want to research or do anything with it. I mean, just think how much money they the money they lost on R&D and lost on the cars is probably more than they lost on keeping a few sets of batteries right. lying around. There was also how a many competing how conspiracy. Many? Blaming the oil industry for conspiring to keep electric cars off the road working with GM. I believe that. I do, too. I believe it. Yeah. Um, through the 90s, interest in fuel-efficient or environmentally friendly cars declined among consumers in the U.S. who instead saw the rise of the SUV, thanks to lower gasoline prices, as we mentioned. So this is basically where the electric vehicle stayed until Toyota took over a different approach with the Prius. So released in Japan in 97, the Prius became the world's first mass-produced hybrid electric vehicle. A hybrid, as we know, combines traditional internal combustion engine with an electric motor to boost efficiency. The electric motor can then be recharged. it's, It's not really a traditional combustion engine. It's a generator. No, that's a misnomer. The only car that uses electric for direct drive only was the Chevy Volt. So I thought a, the Prius doesn't isn't driven no, off the combustion the engine. The Prius is driven off the combustion okay. engine. It's actually just a big electric motor in between the um, transmission and the flywheel. Okay. So I think the, the i3 with the... That one is as a generator as well. Is a like generator. a range extender or whatever. Right. It's literally like having an electric vehicle and throwing a generator in your trunk. Right. That seems so stupid. <laughs> that is stupid. That's not what these are. Hybrids actually are a traditional internal combustion engine that has basically, uh, think of it almost as like another alternator that's giant right. in between the transmission. So I really like the, if I talk about the design of all of these cars, they all, of course, they all look like spaceships, right? So they mm-hmm. all. When you buy one, everybody knows why you bought it. And they know what you have. They know you're like virtue signaling to everyone, right? That you're super <laughs> eco. But the one that I like is the, I think it's the Honda Insight. Yeah. Where it's got like the little cover over the wheel and that stuff. One, and it's yeah, super it has wedged. The, and like, yep, it has that thing the, looks. What do you call them? Wheel flares. Wheel skirts. Wheel Thank skirts. You. Yes. Those are cool. And it, like the whole thing is kind of boat tailed yeah. to the end. We're yep. super narrow in the rear. Yeah. I, that I thing's like actually, that I don't thing's even actually know. pretty cool. And you know, the that? least cool is the CRX or CRZ. That is the least cool hybrid ever made. Oh, really? Because it's supposed to be like sporty, sporty. and cool, and it's a, and it's not. The At least from what I read, I've never driven one. But the only reason I like it, it's the only hybrid vehicle to ever have a manual transmission. Why do you even want a manual transmission? In I don't know. It? I thought it was interesting. Yeah, but they're awful. It's just from what I I read and see on the <laughs> internet. From I'm what an, I hear, from a, I'm a professional, right? Yeah, I'd love to drive one if anybody's got one. Yeah, no, I would too. Okay, so uh, the Prius was released in Japan in 1997. 
I already talked about this. So the uh, electric motor then could boost efficiency. You could charge it, and you could also have regenerative braking. Then energy is used you know during acceleration like? to improve fuel efficiency. You know what I like, Jake? What do you like? Is when I drive around in Minnesota and I see people in their Priuses with like hats and mittens on and shit because they, they just don't have very good heat. So they're just like, no. You know what that is? It's not that they don't have good heat. It's because if you drive one of those cars, you're a hypermiler. Right, so you, you know don't use this, the heat. Right. Do you know of this kind of subsegment of yeah, car yeah, guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't even it's, call them car guys, but hypermiling, yeah, is when we you used to literally have a guy in yeah. Euroworks that would do it. Wasn't he that would, Austin? No, no it was who was Sven. That? This Sven? Kid, this kid named Sven had a Ford probe that yes. he made body panels out of cardboard with to get a low. And it was it worked. Like, I know. I remember I think that. He works thread. at like GM or something now as a car designer. Really? But yeah, he's like really yeah, because he was the dude that did all the sketches and stuff yeah. too. Yeah, I've got a picture of Jess's car that he drew for me. It was it's really really cool. Um, he was kind of a kind of a dork, but really really smart kid, and he did all these awesome. weird things with his car. We love dorks, I do. And at the time, I was like, "What are you doing? This is dumb." And but I was young and ignorant too. Right. But it, now I'm like, "Oh, it's pretty cool that he was like trying to do." Yeah, this he thing. made a massive but, like eight foot boat tail for the car, and like he put cardboard off, and tape and everything. Yeah, else and, it, and it, like you said, what's amazing is it worked. It he worked. actually got really like really fifty eight miles per gallon in a mileage. Ford probe. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty <laughs> incredible. But I do love seeing the people in the mittens in the hat. I don't think the heat works great. Maybe start. it doesn't, but, but it's always. I, know, I always look at them, and I'm always like, I put my hands up on the vents, and I like move my hands <laughs> back and forth, and kind of like, yeah, this is really nice. You take off your shirt and start waving yourself. Ooh, it's it, warm in here. Really hot. You're such an asshole. Uh, oh yeah. yeah no, no, no. <laughs> oh yeah. Those guys can just. And I always feel like whenever I pull up next to a Prius or something in my 911, uh-huh. I always look at them like I want them to see from my <laughs> eyes. You want to? <laughs> I want them to know that I'm offset. Whatever it is that they think they're doing, I am offsetting. I'm canceling. Their vote and I just look at them until they look at me and I just kind of give them like this head nod. Like I just I wonder if they know what I'm thinking. No, but you want them to be angry at you is what you I want, want them to f- feel bad about their decision. I want them to feel like what they're doing doesn't you're matter. You're doing the opposite. No, you're reinforcing saying, Oh, these terrible people out here, they're so terrible. I need to continue driving. Uh, whatever my I've, I'm, car. I've what I've done in my life is cancel out at least 150 Priuses. There's no question <laughs> about you, that. What have you done in your life? Well, I'm about to drive 5,000 miles in an old 911, so that'll probably cancel out a few of them. Yeah, so hybrid technology became the mainstay of electric vehicle tech until 2006. 2006, Mm -hmm. that's when a certain unassuming billionaire took the stage. I think we should leave it at that because yes, I want I want to do sir. like a history of uh, Tesla and Elon Musk. I'm not going to do it for a while. Wait, is that him. who I'm talking about here? That is who you're. Ta- it's yes. It's, really? Well, didn't he bu- basically buy Tesla? Didn't he? Didn't the misnomer is is that he started Tesla? I didn't look anything into it because I know you wanted to. Yeah, this he next did, week. he didn't actually start Tesla. He saved Tesla, which is really really an, it's an interesting story for sure. And I, I'll I'll share it with you guys. I'll, I'll do some deep research and we'll pull an episode out for that. But I'm going to wait a while. I don't want to do it yet. I want to let this. You don't want to do it next week? I don't. You're going to let everyone hang on this part two them, and wait for part three? They're going to wait a, a month or two. I want to. I don't want to talk about electric vehicle stuff too much. I don't want people to get mad. And Then why upset. did I do this history story? It's perfect. I we I wanted to do it. I wanted to hear this, but I just, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to over, overdo things too much. All right. Well, there you go. Now you have a little more context and insight into these electric vehicles. Yes, you do. So I hope you stay tuned for Monday's episode, which is, uh, we've got Perky Perkheiser in, which is, she's a stunt woman, stunt driver. Yes. She kicks Very We just talked to her before we did this episode. It is awesome. I'm really, really excited to share that one with you guys. Uh, We will, uh, boy, I'm going to be gone. 
in a couple weeks. Here's another one of our conversations we're having with each other on the air. So yeah. what's what's going on, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll talk to you off the oh, air about okay. what, what we're gonna do while I'm gone. We'll figure we'll figure because I'm gonna be gone for two weeks driving my car around. Yep. So I will not be here to do the podcast. I'm gonna call you from the studio. I think we should do that and give updates. Yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. We're gonna be cranky in the Mojave Desert. Somewhere. Maybe I'll maybe I'll see if I can do some interviews with somebody. I thought about um, one of our previous guests, Lewis, who runs Cars and Coffee. I thought right. maybe him and I would do like a recap on one of the days and be like, "Hey, what do we see at Rensport?" And then and then ship it off and to me and I'll ship it off out. to you or whatever. So sure. we can we'll see. We'll make it good for you guys. And if anything, I'll have a great story for you guys when we get back. Absolutely. All right, guys, take care. We'll see you later. <laughs>